This is another message brought to you by the Remodel Church. Hey, find your Bibles. Let's find 1 Samuel chapter. We're going to be in chapters 19 and 20 this morning. While you find that, I just want to say that uh, we got back yesterday afternoon. Most of you know that uh, we went to a youth student or a forward student revival in OKC. Actually, they corrected me while I was there. They are not in Oklahoma City. They are in Yukon. Apparently, there's a difference. I don't see the difference, but apparently there is. I guess it's like Granis and Wicks. Anyways, um, but we had an incredible time. We took, what was it, about 17 students, something like that. And uh, we, we had a very, very great time. Uh, anytime we take a trip like this, I always, on the way home, I always ask questions. Um, that's just who I am. I like to ask questions. I like to make people think and uh, so on the way home, I asked a couple of questions. The questions that I always ask is, number one, what was your highlight? What stood out? What was the big thing uh, for you that you really liked the most? What was your highlight? The second question I always ask is, what could you have changed? If you could change anything, what would you change? And then the third question that I like to ask is, what is your take home? What, what, uh, what did you hear? What did you learn? What did you see that you want to apply immediately? And the answers that I got back were, were great. They were, um, the worship was, was one of the top answers. The, uh, the sermon, actually the sermon on Friday night was one of the top answers. And then, um, we had the opportunity. I don't know if you guys follow me on Instagram. Uh, shout out to those that you that do and boo to those that don't. Uh, anyways, if you follow me on Instagram, you saw in my story, um, that we had the opportunity, an awesome opportunity to go and serve Feed the Children. Feed the Children is an organization there, I guess, based out of Oklahoma City, and uh, they prepare boxes of food for families, and I can't remember how many. They got, they got it all down to a science, like so many grams of protein and blah, 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 and all this cool stuff. And uh, we were able to make, now our crew, I'm, I'm going to brag on our crew, okay? So there were a little bit, there were around 90 of us total, and uh, they wanted groups of 30. And our crew made up, I think there were 19 of us total. And uh, anyway, so they get a group started, and then about 30, or it takes them about 15, 20 minutes to get that group started. Then they come back and get a second group, teach them everything, and we were the last group to get started. We were the last one. The first group made 227 boxes. We made 200 and no, they made 221, we made 207. And uh, I just know that if they would have given us five more minutes, we would have kicked some Oklahoma tail. All we needed was five more minutes, but time ran out. They stopped us. But, man, we were, every single one of us on that line, man, it was like an assembly line. So you had uh, some people making the boxes because they were just flat. So guys are popping it open. Somebody else is taping it. Then it goes through this line, and everybody's stacking what they have. And then at the very end of the line, you had a couple of us taping, the, or actually you had somebody putting in a check. It's very cool. They, uh, is it a $50 check? check that they give to them, and it's only valid for uh, fresh produce, so like fruits and vegetables. They can't buy anything else with it. Um, So anyway, so that goes in there with the pamphlet, and then there's a couple of us taping it shut, and then Josh, where you at, Josh? 
I bragged enough on Josh today. Never mind. Anyway, so Josh is stacking them on, on the pallet, and then they get moved to the pallet. Incredible. I mean, we worked. I'm telling you, all we needed was five more minutes. We didn't even need the time that they had. If they would have just given us five more minutes, we would have showed those OU fans what's up. I'm, I'm just, and I apologize if there are any OU fans in here. God will forgive you one day. And uh, anyways, we had an incredible time. It was, we had a, a lot of fun. That moment for me definitely was, was the highlight, being able to serve. And, and total, collectively, we made 621 boxes to go to 621 families in a matter of about an hour. Just incredible. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so needless to say, we all had a lot of fun. Hopefully you are in 1 Samuel. We're going to be in ch- chapters 19 and 20. And uh, so far, so right here when we, where we pick it up in 1920, we've been doing a series on, on the life of David. And we started out, the first time we see David is he's about 12 years old. And Samuel goes and anoints him to be the very next king over Israel. And then about the age of 15 to 17 years old, David steps up and kills this giant named Goliath that thousands of men, trained soldiers, were afraid of and running from. Then last week, we see in chapter 18, uh, David, somewhere about 17, 18 years old, and Saul is out to get him. Saul understands that David is going to be the next king. So Saul actually attempts two times to kill David by throwing a spear at him. The spear nails into the wall. David ducks, runs off, and hides. And this is where we pick it up in chapter 19. David is somewhere around 19, 20 years old at this point. And though, though we're talking about the life of David, chapters 19 and 20 have little bit to do with David and a lot more to do with this man named Jonathan and a woman named Michael. At the end of chapter 18, we see Saul gives, trying to ensnare and, and entrap David. Saul gives his daughter to, to him named Michael. David marries her. And then Saul's son, Jonathan. Now remember, Jonathan is, is a man, is, is the next one in line. To, you know, he's the next heir to the throne. He's the next one to be king according to the rules and the regulations and the laws and the statutes that were put in place at those times. But Jonathan, at the very beginning of chapter 18, the Bible says that his soul was knit together with David, and he loved him as he loved himself. And in chapters 19 and 20, we're going to see Michael, the son of Saul, and we're going to see Jonathan, the best, the son of, or da- Michael was a daughter of Saul, excuse me, and Jonathan, the son of Saul, but best friend of David. We're going to see them both be stuck in the middle, really be stuck between a hard place, between a rock and a hard place. And, and Jonathan, just to kind of understand, see, Jonathan on one side has absolutely everything to lose. On one side of the deal, he, he loses the, the kingdom, he loses the, the life as he knows, and he loses the security of his future. He grew up the son of a king, having absolutely everything that he wanted, everything at his fingertips. And on one end, he, he can lose all of that. But on the other end, he can lose his best friend and a great friendship. And it's very interesting to see the life and, and the route that Jonathan chooses. So we'll pray and we'll get started. God, we thank you so much this morning for your presence that we've already felt in this place. 
We just ask you, God, that you'd speak into our hearts and speak into our lives. Help us to understand the, the importance of friendships and the importance of being a good friend. Help us to understand this word. Help us to receive this word. But God, more than anything, help us to live this word out. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, amen. 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 So I want you guys, it's not in your notes, but I want you to write it down in your notes. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Write it down in your notes. And I want you guys to take some time at home. Sometime this week, and I'd like you guys to just read that a few times. And it shares with us how important and why it is so important to have a friend. It says a couple of things that it says is, is if, if one is walking and he falls, there's nobody to pick him up. But if there's two and one falls, the other one is there to pick him up. And then another thing that it says is if one is sleeping alone, it's hard for them to keep warm, but if there's two, they keep each other warm. And then it goes on to say that, that a cord that is, um, or a strand of two or three um, braids isn't broken easily. And it's talking about the importance of having somebody in your life who is a confidant, a confidant, somebody in your life that is a true friend, somebody that walks with you, somebody that picks you up, somebody that you're able to pick up. We'll start reading 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 1. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks, or, or excuse me, my father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I will tell you. Now highlight verse 4. Then Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good towards you. For he took his life in his hands and killed a Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? A good friend, good friends will always speak well of people. Good friends always speak well of people. Here is Saul speaking to Jonathan and a group of men saying, we need to kill David because of X reason, because he's a threat to my throne. He's a threat to, to, uh, to my family. So we need to kill David. And Jonathan doesn't just sit there and listen. Jonathan moves into action and he begins to speak well of David. And we'll see here in a little bit that he actually convinces and turns Saul's heart just a little bit. A good friend will always speak well of people. If, you're, if you have a friend that is always talking ill and always talking bad about people, how do you think they speak about you when you're not in the room? That's why it's so important, guys, to not miss a whole lot of work because you're going to get blamed for everything that goes wrong that day. It's just so much easier to blame the person that's not there, right? That's what happens. So a good friend speaks well of people. A good friend plants good thoughts, plants good ideas, plants good seeds, seeds in people's minds and in people's heart. And if you are a good friend, 
Not to just one specific person, but just in general. If you are a good friend, you won't listen to people speak bad about other people. It would have been so much easier for David to just sit there and listen. Any of us ever done that just because it's really awkward to say anything different? Everybody's talking bad about somebody. And maybe you don't agree, but because it'd be so awkward to say anything other than that, you just sit there and listen. It would have been so much easier for Jonathan to just sit there and listen and be quiet and then run off and tell David, hey, guess what my my dad said about you? Man, this is getting too real, huh? Because it happens so much. Maybe we're not the ones sitting there or, or we're not the ones talking about people. But we're listening and we can't wait to run and tell them what they said about them. Or now with technology, we don't even wait. We're like, OMG, you should be here right now. And we just can't wait to share what what was said about them. But Jonathan, so wise, instead of just running and telling David, hey, guess what they're saying about you? Guess what they believe about you? Guess what they're talking and spreading about you? David, I mean, Jonathan steps up and instead of listening and going along with it, he begins to speak well. And he doesn't do it in a disrespectful manner. He doesn't do it in a strifeful and and argumentative way. But he just says, don't you remember? He's the one that killed the Philistine and you were there. You watch. Matter of fact, you were one of the ones applauding him. Don't you remember all of the great things? See, that's what a good friend does. A good friend will always see the good and will always speak of the good in people. If we continue reading verse, uh, where are we at? Verse 7. Well, we'll start in verse 6. So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore, As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. What Jonathan just did is he restored or he built, rebuilt the relationship between David and Saul. Before, Saul was speaking ill and and planning to kill David, but because Jonathan was wise and because Jonathan was a good friend, he started speaking well of David. And he went to his father, Saul, and he said, listen, this is who David really is. And it turned Saul's heart for a moment. And he not only let Saul's heart turn back to the positive side, but he brought David and he restored a relationship. Good friends restore and build and rebuild relationships. Good friends don't tear down relationships. Good friends don't sit there and listen. Listen to me. This is very important. If you are a good friend, you will not let your best friend 
talk bad about their wife in front of you over and over and over again and vice versa. If you are a good friend, you will not let your best friend talk bad about their husband in front of you over and over and over because what that does is that creates separation in relationship. Whenever you allow that to that conversation to happen over and over and over again, what you're doing is you're allowing a wedge to be put in between two uh, into that into that relationship between the husband and the wife. You guys with me? So a good friend doesn't tear down and doesn't destroy and doesn't put in wedges to separate relationships. A good friend builds, a good friend restores relationships. So we don't just sit there and listen to our best friend or, or our buddy or whoever talk bad and degrade their wife in front of us or their husband in front of us. Oh, but you don't understand. You don't understand. You guys with me? A true friend, a real friend, a good friend builds, restores, creates an atmosphere, an environment to where we will restore and we will build relationships, not destroy, not break them, not tear them down. We're not going to go along with what they're telling us about their kids, about their family, about their wife, about their husband. We're not going to go along and we're not just going to sit there and listen to it, but we're going to try to build that relationship. We're going to try to help them understand. We're going to try to help them change their heart. And not get caught up in gossip, not get caught up in strife and in slander, but get caught up in building and rebuilding and restoring relationships. Jonathan helped restore the relationship between David and Saul. Now we see, if we keep on reading verses 8 through through 11, we see that David goes back off to war. David comes back from war after beating and defeating the Philistines. And Saul still has this thing in his heart. And David is there sitting there playing his harp and trying to calm the mood of Saul. And Saul gets up and throws a spear at David and he misses once again. Saul was terrible with spears. The dude missed everybody. But anyways, um, and we see again, David is running for his life. And then here, we're going to pick it up here in verse 11. Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. Remember, Michael is the is daughter of Saul. So Michael let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. And Michael took an image and laid it in the bed, put a cover of goat's hair for his head, and covered it with clothes. So when Saul sent messengers to take, to take David, she said, he is sick. Then Saul sent the messengers back to see David, saying, bring him up to me in the bed that I may kill him. See, a true friend, it's there in verse 11 and 12, and then it's in chapter 20, verse 9 as well, if you want to highlight that scripture. But a true friend, a good friend, a real friend will warn you when you're in harm's way. Now, this is what Michael did for David physically. She understood. She knew, hey, Saul is out to get David. She's going to kill David. So I'm going to warn David. I'm going to let him know you are in harm's way. And if you stay the night here, you will die. You will be killed in the morning. So Michael lets David down through the window. And then she gets goat's hair and uh, 
wraps, does, I, I don't know, puts some blanket pillows or something, makes it look like David's in bed. The soldiers come to her. She says, he's in bed. He's sick. Saul says, I don't care. Bring him in the bed. I'll kill him that way. When they go back, they, under, they see, oh, she deceived us. Saul's mad at her. She makes up a lie, an excuse. But she warned David. She warned David, hey, you are in harm's way. See, a good friend will do that for you. Not only physically, but spiritually, emotionally, mentally. You know, a good friend will let you know, if you keep living life this way, you are headed down a bad path. You with me? A good friend will let you know when your actions and what you're doing and the life that you're living is going to lead you into harm's way. They'll let you know and then they will do their best to create an escape route for you. It's exactly what Michael did for David. And if you are a true friend and if we are true friends, it's what we have to do for others. We have to let them know these habits, these actions, these decisions, they're going to lead you down the wrong road. They're going to lead you down to destruction. They're going to hurt you. They're going to hurt your family. They're going to hurt your friends, and they're going to hurt your relationships. If you keep living life this way, you're headed towards harm. See, that's what a true friend will do. A true friend will let you know when there needs to be change in your life, when you need to redirect your path, when you're straying from the truth or when you're straying from the right and you're headed towards wrong, a true friend will always warn you when you are in harm's way. Verses 12 and 13, Michael not only warns David, but she protects David. And she creates an escape route for him. And she even lies to the soldiers for him. A true friend will protect you. They'll protect your best interests. They'll protect your emotional state. They'll they'll protect you spiritually. You know, there's a scripture. I can't remember where it is now. But but Paul is talking about um, pork. You see, um, for the Jewish people, it it was wrong. It was sin to eat pork. I could not be Jewish. I love bacon way too much. But for them, it was sin. It was sin. And Paul says this because there's this huge debate, just like there is today, about music in the church and the way you should dress in the church. And, you know, there's all kinds of debates. And, and, and Paul comes to this conclusion. And he says, you know what? For me, it's not a sin to eat bacon and some sausage and some ham. I like it. I like a nice ham and cheese sandwich every now and then. For me, it's no sin. But if it's a sin for you, I'm not going to do it in front of you because I don't want to be a stumbling block for you. In other words, I don't want to make you fall. So even though it's not wrong for me and even though it's okay for me, I'm going to protect you by not doing it in front of you. So Paul is protecting his friends spiritually and emotionally and mentally. 
by just simply choosing not to eat pork in front of them. You see, that's what a true friend does. A, fruit, a true friend, excuse me, will protect you, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually. You know, we were having this conversation uh, yesterday afternoon coming back uh, home, and I asked the girls, just trying to get some help with my, with my message, I asked the girls, hey, um, what, give me some, you know, what does a true friend do? And what one of them said was a true friend will help build your relationship with God. And, and one of the things that she said a couple of times is, is she won't talk or they won't talk about bad things in front of you or they won't play the bad music and stuff and watch bad things in front of you because they want to build your relationship with God. And that's what a true friend does. A true friend will protect spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally. A true friend protects So you, as a true friend, protect. Maybe we don't agree on all of the, uh, I don't know, theology, and and maybe we don't agree on, on the music or on the lights or on the way you dress or the way you talk or which version you should read out of the Bible, whatever. Maybe we don't agree on all of those things, but but let's protect each other spiritually by just not having that argument. You know, I've said this a hundred times, but I've never talked to anybody and asked them, hey, how did you come to Jesus? How did you accept Jesus? And they said, well, I heard two Christians arguing about what style of music they should listen to. And I just thought, I really want to be that guy. It's never happened. It doesn't happen. So let's protect people spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally. Now we'll jump, oh man, I forgot to put the chapter, but it's in chapter 20, the next, the next part. You might want to put that in your notes. 1 Samuel chapter 20. So what is happening here, so after Saul tries to kill David, David flees. And uh, in chapter 20, Jonathan finds David and says, man, why don't you just come? Why don't you come back home? And David says, because your dad is set out to kill me. And Jonathan doesn't want to believe it. I mean, remember, Jonathan is a son of Saul. He doesn't want to believe that his father wants to kill his best friend. And Jonathan goes on to say, no, there's nothing that my father does without telling me first. Doesn't matter how great or how small, the dude doesn't go to the bathroom without telling me first. And David says, no, you see, your father understands that you have chosen to be my best friend. And so he's doing this behind your back. And David's hiding. He's in a cave or behind a boulder. I don't really understand where he is, but he's hiding. And they make this pact. They make the, the Bible calls it a covenant between the two. And Jonathan, Jonathan says, I'm going to go and find out my dad's true heart. And, he's, and, and there was this feast coming up, the feast of the new moon, the celebration of the new moon. And, and what they would do is at, at night they would get together and they would eat together and celebrate. And uh, David was supposed to be there. And David says, whenever I'm not there and your father asks for me, just tell him that I'm, I went to a family reunion. I went to a yearly sacrifice with my family. And if he gets mad at you, then you know that he's out to kill me. And uh, so they're having this conversation. And I, and I want us to read uh, chapter 20, verses, the last part of verse 13 down to 15. And the Lord be with you. 
as he has been with my father. And you shall not, you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. I I encourage you to highlight verse 15 because that's going to be very, very important in in a few chapters. But what's going on here is Jonathan is realizing and acknowledging that David is going to be the next king. Again, Jonathan is a son of Saul and he should be the next king. But David sees Something else, I mean, Jonathan sees something else in David. And Jonathan has looked into David's heart and he has seen God's purpose in his life, in his heart. And that is what a true friend and a good friend does. A good friend will be able to look at you and look into your heart and see God's purpose, God's calling and God's plan in your life. And Jonathan is choosing, this is amazing. Verse 30 and 31 of the same chapter. Saul tells Jonathan, Saul is angry at Jonathan. I encourage you guys, this, this, is, this is probably the only, place, the only place in the Bible I know of anyways that old King James tried to edit out a cuss word because Saul calls Jonathan and, well, just read it. You'll figure it out what he tries to call him. But they edit it out, call him a son of a uh, perversive woman, something like that. Um, that's not what, that's not what he called him. Anyway, Saul is angry at Jonathan. He is ticked off at Jonathan and he tries to kill Jonathan because Jonathan told David that he could go and be with family. And Saul says this in verse 30 and 31. Then Saul's anger, I'm actually going to read it, sorry. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman. Oh, King James, man, he tried to edit that one out, huh? Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now, therefore, send and bring him to me. For he shall surely die. Verse 31. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Jonathan understood. Again, I said at the very beginning. Jonathan understood and knew that at one end of the relationship, he would lose everything. He's supposed to be the next king. He's supposed to have it made. He's supposed to rule over millions of people. He's supposed to be rich. He's supposed to be famous. He's supposed to accomplish great things. On one hand, he's going to lose all of that. On the other hand, he loses a friendship. And what's sad is some of us or some people would sell out their best friend for 20 bucks for a number six at Chick-fil-A. And Jonathan understands that all of this is at risk, but he chooses to lose it if it means he gets to keep his friend, his best friend. See, a good friend will always remain loyal. A good friend will always remain loyal. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says the generous man, 
has many friends. And the man that gives gifts is a friend or everybody. No, everybody loves the generous man. And a man that gives gifts has many friends. Now, that makes sense, right? Everybody loves you when you're generous. And everybody wants to be your friend and invite you to the birthday party when you go all out to, for the birthday gift. That makes sense, right? You see, but a loyal friend, a good friend, will remain loyal even when you have nothing to offer, even when they have nothing to offer. David had absolutely nothing to offer Jonathan at this moment, at this time. Jonathan could have betrayed David, killed David, and he would have been king. He would have been the next king. But he chose to remain loyal to David even when we had nothing to offer him at the moment because he believed in the purpose that God had placed in his heart. So to be a good friend, we remain loyal, not just when it's convenient. A friend of mine says, everybody's your buddy when you got a full tank of gas and an ice chest full of beer. Everybody's your buddy then. He said, but when it's sitting on E and you've got nothing in the ice chest, that's when you find out who's your real friend. And that's the way life is. But to be a good friend, we remain loyal even when they have absolutely nothing to offer. Go to John chapter 15. And as I close, this is what it is all about. John, if you're in 1 Samuel, go to the right. Go heavy to the right. You'll run into the New Testament. It will be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you run into Acts or Romans, something like that, then turn back to the left. You've gone just a little bit too far. John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. Get your highlighter ready because there's a few things here that I want you to highlight. This is Jesus speaking. Most of your Bibles are probably, probably have red letters. That means Jesus is saying these words. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's highlight worthy right there. Verse 13 Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You, Jesus says, are my friends. If you do whatever I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. Highlight this here. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit shall remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Highlight verse 13. Highlight the first part. Highlight you are my friends. Highlight verse 16. Highlight verse 17. This is what it's all about. We need to become good friends to others because Jesus is a good friend to us. We need to become a good friend to others because Jesus is a good friend to us. So Jesus being the son of God and being God himself, 
He didn't choose to call you servants. Call us servants. But he says, you are my friend. And he says, there's no greater love than this. And a friend would lay down his life or that a man would lay down his life for his friends. That's exactly what Jesus did. You see, Jesus chose you before you chose Jesus. Jesus chose you when you had absolutely nothing to offer, nothing to give. He chose you. He chose me. And Jesus laid down his life because he didn't want heaven without you. So being a good friend is more than just being a good friend. But it's actually following one of his commandments when he says, I command you to love one another, verse 17. So when we become good friends, and not only benefits the people around us, but it actually benefits our relationship with God, our relationship with Jesus. And our friendships with other people should mirror the friendship that Jesus has with us. This is the end of the message. For more information, please visit theremodelchurch.com.